You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to another episode of Crime of the Mitten. We're your hosts, Shelby and Alia. What better way to gush about crimes without raising eyebrows than to start a podcast on crimes committed in our home state, Michigan? From mysterious missing cases to gruesome murders that left police struggling to stay on the scene, we're giving you the complete insight on what's going on in our mitten state. If you need to satisfy your hunger for true crime cases as much as we do, tune in every Sunday for your weekly dose of mitten crimes. Hey, true crime lovers, it's Aliyah, and this week I have a new story for you. If <laughs> <laughs> Are you in a silly mood today? Yeah. <laughs> and I have a new story for you. You won't believe it happened, but it did. At 12 years old, I was into true crime, but I wasn't into the news. So I didn't really... All the stories that we talk about now, I heard about, mm-hmm. but I didn't... I wasn't into the news at 12, so I didn't hear about stuff like this. Yeah. So I feel the same way, too, because it's like a bunch of things that like a bunch of cases that we talk about now. I was like, I remember remember hearing about this going down. But then also I remember like running out the room and like, all right, I'm about to go do something else. I don't want to watch the news. Yeah. No, that's literally what it was. It wasn't the story. It was just the news news. itself. I didn't want to (laughs) watch. So this week I will be talking about. Tara Grant. Tara Grant was a a thriving mother, wife, and employee. She traveled a lot for work, leaving her husband and all parents to care for their two children, Lindsay and Ian. Tara had an amazing job working for Washington Group International. She was the breadwinner of her family, although she worked, although she worked in the in, although they lived in Michigan, she ran the Puerto Rico office. Before before Tara was a Grant. She was, she was Tara Dress Tramp, who was born and raised in Perkins Township in the Michigan's Upper Peninsula with her mom, dad, and sister. Tara did well in school and participated in a few ac- extracurricular activities. She attended a community college in her small town and later decided to come down to the Lord's Peninsula to attend Michigan State University University and Lansing. You know what? Not to cut you off, but, like, we hear so many people that went to Michigan State. Where's the people that went to U of M? <laughs> like, where's the Wolverines at? Okay. <laughs> and Lansing is where she met her where she met her husband, Stephen Grant, in 1994. Stephen asked her out, but she wasn't impressed by him, so she turned him down. Mm-hmm. As she should, sis. <laughs> you never, you never should, should you never should go off the first off, uh, offer. Keep like that same energy. Mm-hmm, yep, if it's really meant to be. You, you'll act like you know you'll try. <laughs> she should have kept that same energy. No, but no, I'm straight. When Tara's grandmother passed, she had to return home to the UP to in- attend the funeral. When she arrived, Stefan was at the funeral. The two began dating when she returned home. As oh. That that's like did he know was he close like to the family or no. oh he he was just there? Yeah. Red flag. <laughs> Love red flag. Don't know really know what to call it at the time. Funerals aren't a place where you just be like, I'm about to go pick up chicks. But this, 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 I don't think so. I don't know. He I, made that whole drive 
like I think it was like a six hour drive to sit with her at her grandmother's funeral. Wow. Yeah. And okay. she didn't know he was going to be there. Wow. So it was like a surprise. Yeah. She just got there and he was there. That's not a, I don't, don't, I don't want a surprise at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll boost, it'll boost your, your mood. No, it won't. Apparently it did. <laughs> that's a risky. They that's, started dating yeah, that's true. I was going to say, that's still risky though. Like, yeah, that's a bold move. As a child, Stefan was not the most well-behaved child. His parents moved the small family, including Stefan and his his younger sister, from Detroit from to to Detroit from Canada, so that his father could work during the booming auto industry. Stefan was in trouble a lot for stealing and doing all the daring daring things his friends were afraid to do. Of course, there always needs to be a daredevil out the group. Duh. My little brother Sean was that one out of his out of his pack. <laughs> Not even surprised. (laughs) He attended a community college with no major or real direction. His stealing record extended during this time of his life. Stefan eventually attended MSU to study education and history. He dropped out four years later to take a job for the former state senator Jack Faxon. That's when him. That's when he and Tara met. He was into her right away, but like I said before, she wasn't that into him until he made the surprise visit to her hometown. Right, shocker. It's, 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 I know that. I I don't see how that missed the deal. Right. Of course, it was awkward for him being around his family, especially because the guy, a guy that she said was kind of her boyfriend when she turned him down. She told him she kind of had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So the kind of boyfriend was there. At the funeral? At the funeral, too. So when he went out, they went out to eat afterwards. He was sitting at the table with her and her kind of boyfriend. So he left because he was uncomfortable. That's what happens when you show up to stuff without an invite. <laughs> without an invite. So he returned home to Lansing, and Tara called, called him that night and told him that she was in love with him. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know. Maybe that's like a. Maybe it's. Is it me? Like I'm like. Is that like a? I can't see the sweetness in that. No. Leave me alone right now. <laughs> Stephen and Tara got got married after he proposed to her in December of '94. They moved closer to Detroit, where Tara started a job at Washington Group International. Meanwhile, Stephen had to ask his father for a job at his tool and die shop because he was let go from his other job. In November of 2000, they had their baby girl, Lindsay. Life was going well, and they were a pretty successful family and was able to move to Washington Washington County and was surprised to have a baby boy, Ian, in 2002. They seemed to have the most perfect life, money, nice house, and a cute little family. No one knew how closed off Tara was from her husband. No one knew what was going on because she didn't really share her life like that. Mm-hmm. The couple even... The couple eventually went to renew their wedding vows at their 10th year anniversary. Tara moved up to her career, and she was asked to run the company's Puerto Rico office in 2006. Tara was excited to take a, take the job, but it meant const- she would have to constantly travel. This was hard for Stephen to manage, being that he was the only one at home with two kids during the mm-hmm. week. The couple has to hire an au pair to help Stephen manage the household. Farina was a 19-year-old young lady from Germany who became who be, 
who became the Grant's live-in nanny. Tara knew that she was slacking off a little in her marriage and tried to make things better. She wanted to exercise, stop yelling, and have monthly date nights along with getting better at communicating. Mm -hmm. While she was trying to better herself, Stefan wasn't doing so much. He had started communicating with an old girlfriend of his. They had always been friends and would like check in mm-hmm. every other year, every year, something like that. But then he started talking to her more frequently. And he would like mention how he didn't want to be married anymore. And then wow. one of the emails actually said, I enjoy being married. I just think of marriage like speed limits. Sometimes you have to break them. You just need to keep an eye on the road to avoid detection. <laughs> what? Yeah. That was in an email he sent? Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. To his ex-girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. While Ooh. he was... <laughs> what a guy. That, <laughs> while he was doing that he, found that, that, he found out that Tara may have been doing the same years prior. To get back at her, he started flirting with Farina. The nanny. Yeah. The living nanny, right? Mm-hmm. Which I kind of kind of... I kind of seen that coming. Yeah, honestly. I did, too. I I, I kind of seen that coming. When I saw they had someone living there at their house, I'm like, oh, that's not going to end well. Yeah, and especially with Tara flying. Yeah. Like, she she's constantly traveling. Yeah, she's traveling all the time. And then, like, this is, she's younger, too. She's, what, 19? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I seen that coming. <laughs> Every night that Tara was gone, the two shared a bed. They both said the relationship went no further than cuddling and kissing. They would always go to Verena's bed. Uh, uh, Stefan and Stephen and Steph- or Stephen and yeah, that's the, how you pronounce his name. Stephen and the nanny. Wow, all pair. Tara's normal tra- stra- normal travel schedule was to leave Monday, headed to Puerto Rico, and head back to Michigan on Friday. After getting back to put from Puerto Rico for the last time. In February 2007, Tara resented having to tell her husband that she had to leave the following Sunday instead of on Monday. She knew he would be pissed about it and it would start problems. Mm -hmm. So as soon as she got home that night, she told him and it apparently struck an argument. Or she apparently told him and it struck an argument. Stefan said that Tara packed a bag, got on the phone, told someone to pick her up in the driveway, got a net got in a black SUV and was never seen again. Steven sent a message to Verena while she was out with friends telling her that she owed him a kiss. This was before the his wife Tara even got back home yet. Right. So she told she, he told Verena come home and she was out with her friends so she kind of ignored it. Mm-hmm. And she to, he told her to hurry before Tara got home so they could kiss. Verena walked in hours later. It took her a while to get home. She was still out with her friends. She right. wasn't ready to leave. She got home hours later to, after the argument, to Stephen yelling, asking why she was there and like going off and then told her about the argument he just had with his wife and that she walked out on him. Right. So he likes setting this up like, you know, she's just, she stormed off. Yeah. In this discussion. Like, okay. Stephen was so distraught about the argument. With his wife, he cried to the all pair and invited her into his bed that night. His oh wow, that's a step up. <laughs> right, right. She's <laughs> like, I made room. it. <laughs> the come up is real. 
<laughs> so they were in his bed, and it just so happened that little little Lindsay walked in. The daughter. Yeah, she walked into her parents' room, but they said that Verena ducked under the covers, so mm-hmm. they don't know if the little girl ever saw her there or not. So he was constantly calling Tara's phone, leaving voicemails. He called her family and friends to see if they had spoken to her, which no one had. It wasn't until February 15th when Stephen even reported her missing. He told the police he had he wished he had called he hadn't waited a whole five days to report her missing, but he was expecting her to be back. Right, so he was like telling the police like he was thinking it was just like her going, uh, cooling down after the going argument. Back. He thought she just got back on the plane. Do we know? Do you know if like that was something that she did like often though? Like, did, like when they got into it, did she leave out? Like, because like if no. that's something that you don't do, then. If yeah, I'm not, if I don't come the back, the first argument over her schedule and all that, and her traveling, mm-hmm. but he just thought she was coming back home, right? But and then it seems weird though too because of the fact that you're like she was trying to work on this relationship, so I don't see her just like ghosting, just like leaving, leaving yeah. her kids and everything. Like, yeah, the kids it was so too. late at night; she didn't even see the kids that night. Yeah, I was gonna say normally, you know, take the kids. Like no, they like the moms take the kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. But he said he was expecting her to be back and thought she had just gone to Puerto Rico and would be back. But Mm -hmm. she never came back. He was open with the police, told them about the argument and even even let them in the house, allow them to check the phone and the bank records. The last calls were from Friday night and the last uh, car transaction was on her work issued uh, credit card to get a ride from the airport on that Friday night. Right. The airport said that Tara had not changed her flight back to head back to Puerto Rico early or hadn't changed her flight period to go back to Puerto Rico mm-hmm. early. And it wasn't even changed from um, Monday to Sunday, like Stephen said, like Stephen said. Right. Because she had said that she was going a different day. But it, it wasn't her, it wasn't changed. The ticket didn't say that, though. No. OK. She never even changed her flight. Right. Investigators even checked with all the car services in the area. No one had picked Tara up in a black Sudan that night. Mm. And then, like neighbors, like I, I don't even, I didn't even see anything about neighbors. Yeah, because yeah, well, I don't know. I guess if it was that late, then I would right. hope there wasn't people just looking at the window. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a time limit to like. Constantly snoop out of your window, out. Leah. You just—it's it's levels to it. It's rules. <laughs> <laughs> but she hadn't even used her car service in a while. Mm-hmm. Like even Verena said, she would drive herself back and forth to the airport. Right. So there was no car service at all. Mm-hmm. Police asked, "Would he be willing to take a polygraph test?" And he agreed. But after hiring and talking to his lawyer, he backed out of it. Police had no evidence that he did anything. All they had to go by was the fact that he mentioned an argument that night. Maybe the argument was more serious than it seemed like that's Mm -hmm. or that he made it seem. So all they could do was put him under heavy surveillance. They watched him hard. He stopped participating with the police, but he was always on the news, always (laughs) pleading for her to come home. But he wouldn't talk to the police like he always just went to the news about everything. He was just publicly like. Mm -hmm doing this but like in the background work where like the actual investigation he wasn't even offering any assistance Mm -mm. he doesn't know how suspicious that makes him look like (laughs) 
that makes you look so suspect. His lawyer told him not to talk to the police, so he went to the news. Yeah, you should just his lawyer should have just been like, just shut up altogether. <laughs> but he said like he knew that he would be the top suspect. He said the husband was always the top suspect. So he knew he was already Mm-hmm. He already looked suspicious, so I guess he was just going to keep doing what he was doing. Yeah, but then also there's been husbands that, and like, they've gotten their name cleared. Like, they had nothing to do with the situation. So if you have nothing to hide, then just go for it. Go for it. Ask me whatever you want. Do whatever you got to do. Because it's like, in the end, like, the police are actually doing I'm the work to, to get. Wife. Yeah, to find her. So, like, I'm not knocking what, you know, addressing the public is, but you can't do address the public and not. The help with the investigation help, right. too it doesn't work like that on the news he went from waiting for her to come wanting her to come home to talking about how he was a better mom than tara was because she was never at home so wow. i just went from one extreme to the next so that escalated like <laughs> right you went from feeling sorry to i mean but since she's gone though like i've been handling it like who does that right I've been doing this anyway. It's no problem. I can keep doing it myself. Like, with that, if, that, yeah, I was saying with that attitude though, it's just like suspect, <laughs> right? While under surveillance, police noticed that every morning Stefan would stop on his way to work at a gas station and purchase all the major newspapers. And this is after Tara went missing. Mm-hmm. He would go. He would just go buy all of. Buy up all the, all three local newspapers, like the major newspapers. He would go buy them, and to police, it seemed like he was trying to use the papers to like keep up with them, basically, instead mm-hmm. of just going in and asking or calling investigators and right. asking. He was just looking through the papers. Wow, like you, he went out of his way to avoid contact with the like you know if doing anything really with the worried, police. He would have been going to the police, and that's her husband. So, like, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't give him a problem with keeping him updated on the case if you were right. helping with the if case. You were helping. Like, what? What's the point of buying the newspapers? Just go ask for help. Right. Police followed up on all the leads in the investigation for Tara Grant. The invest in the investigation while speaking to police, Stephen noticed mentioned plenty of times about a park near their house. The family spent plenty of time at Stony Creek Park. It's not just a regular park, but it's like a huge metro park. Mm-hmm. It's 4,461 acres. Wow. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard of that before, that park before, though. I have. I just don't. Yeah. I've I don't, never been. I don't, say, I don't go out much, so <laughs> I've heard of a lot of places I've just never been. <laughs> I just don't go to. But it was. it's so big, it stretched across two counties, both Oakland and Macomb Park wow. County. And it's open year-round with like activities for every season. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Police thought since he mentioned it so much, it was a great place to search. When Stephen heard about the search at the park, he requested to be there. Mm. So is this after the fact that he um, like, is this after he stopped helping with helping with the investigation? Mm -hmm. Wow. So now he's like, I'll help. If you want my help, I'll go to the park. And they basically told him no. That's good. (laughs) Right. Because I feel like he would have been like, like, if somebody wasn't watching him, he would have been, like, covering things up, like, on the low, like, right. tucking something here or they something. They didn't know what he wanted to go for. Yeah. So just said, no. no, you're good. Stay at home. Do Keep the same energy you've been keeping this whole investigation. We got right. it. The search went on. On a cold, 
in the cold February weather for eight long hours, and they found nothing. Mm. The police asked the community to, community to report anything they saw. If, if it didn't look right, report it. Mm-hmm. A woman called in reporting a finding on February 28th. She was out walking and saw a gallon-sized plastic bag with more plastic bags, latex gloves, and blood inside. Wow. She noticed the bag because it was red, which made it stand out in the snow. She safely took the plastic bag from the woods to her garage and waited for the police to come check it out. It was discovered that the blood inside the bag was human blood and there was (laughs) microscopic metal shavings in the bag. Mm -hmm. And because the bag was found in the woods so close to the Grant home, it gave them a reason to get a search warrant on their house and his job, um, Stephen's job where he worked in his father's shop. Mm -hmm. A warrant was served on March 2nd, 2007. The investigators keeping watch on Stephen stopped him on his way home from work and informed him that his property was going to be searched. While the search was going on, he was fidgety and wouldn't make eye contact with anyone, and it just made him look nervous mm-hmm. and sp- suspicious. It, that sounds suspect, like you just antsy right. and stuff like that. Like you don't want, like you know it's something there that you don't want them to find. But because the officers didn't, he wasn't required to be there, he wasn't under arrest or anything. They could just let him leave the house. So he left the house mm-hmm. and he, but he couldn't take his car because that was part of the warrant. Okay. So instead of taking his own car, he went and asked a friend on the block because he borrowed their car. So <laughs> the neighbor, like, not thinking anything of it, he just told him, like, hey, they're about to search the house. I can't be there while they're doing it. Can I borrow a car? And the guy, like, yeah, go for it. Sure, I don't see nothing wrong with it. <laughs> just take my car. Yeah, no, no pressure that the police are. Searching your searching stuff your right now. Everything. <laughs> so the neighbor loaned him a truck, a bright yellow pickup truck. Hmm. So he left in the truck, just him and his dog. And then he called his sister um, to see if he could drop the dog off at her house. But she wasn't home. So mm-hmm. he, he went to where he was, got her house keys, dropped the dog off, and also stole a bottle of Vicodin from his, her, his sister's house. He stole a bottle of Vicodin? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, wait, 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 wait. He dropped the dog off. Where are the kids? That's a great question. Who got the kids? I mean, apparently, if I guess if it was a work day, the kids were at school. Okay, makes sense. And then there's a nanny. Or yeah, okay. I, yeah, the nanny. But still, I don't know. I was thinking, like, he's doing a lot of, a lot of to ensure this dog has a, doggy, a doggy sitter. <laughs> right. So soon after Stephen left his own home, the search team made their way to the garage where they found they found a tote that wasn't there but the last time they checked the house. Mm-hmm. So they the officer opened the tote and it was a plastic bag in it. When he poked at it, he said it was soft and had some give to it. When the bag was open, it was stuffed with a full, fully dressed human torso and more metal metal shavings. Wow. Tara's Grant body was found just moments after letting Stephen, Stephen Grant just walk out of his house. Yeah, like moments. They have no idea where he went. Wow. I mean, but at least he's in his bright yellow pickup truck, too, though. Yeah. Like, like it, it kind of helps. You don't go say, okay, can we switch? Like, you keep the yellow one and I take this one. Yeah. <laughs> you want to run and you take a bright yellow truck. He's like, I got to just 
rubber what is what does my grandma always say rubber heel rubber wheels are better than rubber heels <laughs> he was just like i just I need i need a car just need somewhere to go <laughs> something to take so like i said he was they had no idea where he was they just let him go so he was on the run at this point the next place to search was the tool and die shop Although the place was a mess, they did notice that there were metal shavings. Mm-hmm. The main thing they were thinking, what they were looking for was the rest of Tara's body. So they did a more extensive search at Stony Creek Park using dogs this time. And the dogs found most of her remains scattered throughout the park. Wow, so he just dropped body parts of her off in different parts of the park. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I feel like when I've heard about this case, that's the part for sure that I knew, like, they made it, like, you know, like, I heard about, like, for sure, for sure, was, like, the fact that they were, like, finding her body, like, all throughout this park. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, don't remember anything but the names. <laughs> I remember bits and, like, bits and pieces. Like, you know what? I remember what the adults at the time were talking about. I was like, girl. They find all these body parts in the park. Like I remember the conversation. <laughs> I don't remember like the actual thing. <laughs> so they took um, what they had of her. They took it to the medical examiner's office, office, and they discovered that she suffered a, um, a blow to her jaw and was killed by strangulation. It was noticed that her body was cut up by like different types of knives and different blades and everything. Mm-hmm. So the investigators received a call from Verena. She was moved back to Germany. Like when the case broke out, mm-hmm. she was she moved back home. Oh, she she got her stuff she and left. got the heck on. She left. Okay. She called to say that she had gotten a phone call from Stephen Grant, saying that he was about to kill himself. She admitted to the investigators everything. She told them that the night that Tara went missing, the night she quote unquote left him. Mm-hmm. They had sex in the married couple's bed. Stephen admitted to her that he killed Tara that night, telling her that it was self-defense and that he pushed her, which caused her to fall and hit her head. That meant they had a confession. Right. That's some. That's something, though. Although that right. isn't at this point they how have, they said that's how she right. died. But still, at it's this point they have a confession. Yeah, it's something. And she was wait. So this whole time she was she didn't think to call police. Like she didn't know at the time. She thought he left. She he, she called when he called her. She, by oh, okay. now, by this point, she was already in Germany. Okay, so, so like when he was talking about police, as soon as she himself. got the phone call from him. Okay. So while all this was going on, Stephen was still missing. The whole time she was missing, he was pleading for his wife to return. Meanwhile, he had killed her and cut up her body. Right. Stephen's sister called investigators to say her brother had just called her and he was headed up north to a cab to a cabin to hide out. Their area code where Stephen had called Verena from was mm-hmm. the same area code or it was the same area that the cabin was in. Right. So they knew the stories were matching up and they mm-hmm. they could find him this way. That's most likely where he's hiding out at. Right. <clears throat> On March 4, 2007, Stephen Grant was found in a park over 200 miles away from his home, and he was in Emmett County, Michigan. They found him by tracking the phone call he had last made to his sister. They had helicopters, 
lo- had helicopters, local, state, and federal police were out looking for him. And they called everybody out. They called everybody. And he had tried to kill himself with the pills he stole from his sister and mm. lots of alcohol. Okay. And there was a blizzard going on at the time, and it was hard for him to see why he was driving, especially intoxicated the yeah. way he was. So he figured if he got out the car and went into Wilderness State Park, he would pass out and freeze to death. And freeze to death. But before he got out the car, he wrote letters to his children explaining, like, oh, you may not know what's going on right now, but later somebody would explain. That is, that's sick that you, like, I mean, I know that, like, he was going down anyway, but it's like, that's a coward move. Like, to just kill yourself instead of. Turning yourself in, right. giving the the rest of the family closure and stuff like that, like doing the right thing. Right. When they found him, he only had on pants, shirt, and socks. And no in a coat. Michigan blizzard, no coat, no oh, boots, or anything that would protect him from the blizzard. Wow. Well, I mean, that's the way to, like, if that's what he was trying to go for. Because it's freezing. It's freezing now. I yeah, had to stop at the store on the way here and get a pair, an extra pair of socks because no, my feet are freezing. It's really cold. And it's not even snow on the ground yet. It's no snow. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's so the scary blizzard? thing. It's just, yeah, so through a blizzard? No. Remember and I remember up north? I walked like one block home from a, in a blizzard once. And I literally thought that I wasn't going to make it. Like I was I was going to sit down and start writing letters. Like, I, you know what? This is the end. Like this, this, this is it. it. I'm like, I don't think I can make it another step. Literally, I can see my house in a view, though. But I was just like, this is just too much. So like, it's, no, that that's crazy. It's freezing right now and there's no snow. Mm-mm. But, so he had nothing to pre- protect him f- from the blizzard. So he had frostbite and was suffering from hypothermia and was rushed to Northern Michigan Hospital. While in the police custody in the hospital, Stephen confessed to the murder of his wife. He told them about the argument and how Titson had gotten. The couple both said hurtful things, and what she said to him, what Tara said to Stephen, made him feel emasculated. So mm-hmm. that's why he that's, said he did what he yeah. did because he didn't feel like a man. <laughs> okay. And that makes you that makes you feel like one by killing, like killing her. Okay, right. I don't see the reasoning, but I'm not supposed to. He strangled her, strangled her because he didn't. She made him feel like less of a man. Okay. Then he took her body to his job, and that's when he dismembered her body and leaving nothing attached to her torso. After that, he took her remains to Stony Creek Park and had disposed of them there. When he learned about the search that was going to take place at the park, Stephen went to the park and moved her torso and put it in his garage Mm. so he could bury her later on. And when he, after the whole confession, they had a whole two hour long confession. Wow, it was a two hour long. He went into deep detail about everything that he did to her. That's sick. Yeah. He was moved from the hospital to the jail in Macomb County. Stephen was formally charged with one count of hom- one count of homicide and murder of the first in the first degree with a life sentence which is a life sentence mm-hmm. and the di- dismemberment of a dead body which is in Michigan is 10 years. Mhm. But I 
like 10 years don't seem like enough. It really don't. But then also if you dismember somebody, most, they're dead. They're dead. So, so that's, that, that's when like, yeah, that's just like throwing in 10 years for free. Like throwing in like a little salt based sprinkle <laughs> type stuff. Like that's really what it is. Like, like no, he's already going down. But it's just like just to secure the bag. Throw on 10 extra the, years. The, yeah. <laughs> but then on February, December 21st, 2007, the jury found him guilty of second-degree murder. And the prosecutors had sought out first-degree, but the jury couldn't really prove that it was premeditated. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just in the heat of an yeah. argument, so it wasn't really premeditated. Mm-hmm. But he still did it. No, because it seemed like it definitely—it was definitely a heat in the moment. Like, although he—it it was known that he was—he um, didn't he, he like his marriage, but it was like— I don't think that that night he... He wasn't into the marriage. He was, like, basically jealous that she was bringing in all the money. Mm-hmm. So, but because the argument was right then and he did it right yeah. then, it wasn't... They couldn't prove that it was premeditated. Mm-hmm. The defense was hoping for a sentence of 15 to 25 years, but the judge agreed to... Agreed with the prosecution and recommendation of 50 to 80 years. Okay. Yeah. Mm, I guess that's okay. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm fine with a life sentence. I feel like you in it. Like, no, because you gave the police a hard time with this, too. Like, you in the news one minute, you don't want to help the investigation the next minute. They do a search. Now you want to help. Like, you... You didn't make this easy at all. Didn't make anything easy. Yeah, like, so no. But, I mean, time is time, so. Yeah, and then he received uh, six to ten additional years for mutilating the body. Mm-hmm. The judge called his actions demonic, manipulative, barba- barbaric, and dishonest. He is now serving time in... Bella Mary Creek Confe- uh, Correctional Facility. Mm-hmm. Stephen Grant showed almost no emotion during his hearing. I mean, the fact that he carried on with the nanny right afterwards, it was right. like it was really heavy anyway. on his mind. Like, it's not like it was something he really cared it about. It didn't stop his show. Right. He did look troubled when Alicia... Standerford, which is Terry Grant's sister, mm-hmm. was describing how the children were struggling knowing that their father took their mother away from them mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. She said, he's so much of a coward, he doesn't even look at me in the eye at, in the courtroom. The murder of Terry Grant was like a domino effect. The Grant children... Lindsay and Ian were left with no parents, mm-hmm. with their mother deceased and their father behind bars. The children had to move to a whole nother state to live with wow. their aunt Alicia. So, like, they had to rearrange their whole their entire, entire life, life because of this. And then on top of that, Stephen's, grand- or Stephen's father, William Grant, killed himself because of everything that, that was, was happening. On. Was like, he couldn't get over the fact that it happened. Not mm-hmm. only did it happen, but it happened in his shop. Yeah, and like he didn't. Like if he's like, like he didn't even know that that happened he in didn't his know shop. That any of that was going on. 
Yeah, no, that's that's really sad. And I like I honestly I really feel for the kids too, like the fact that they have to like they had to uproot their lives and stuff and like that's that's hard to deal with. Yeah. Especially at a young age, that's so hard to deal with. So and not like his after his father killed himself or he um he called in to report a a suicide and when the police asked him who's suicide, he said his own. And when the police got there, they got there just in time to hear him hear the gunshot. Mm. They rushed him to the to the hospital, but he didn't make it. He um died three hours later after getting after to the that. hospital. Wow. Yep. So all of that happened, and now his sister is left with a brother locked up mm-hmm. and her father gone. Wow. So it's in the end, like everyone literally, everyone was like, affected. yeah, it was her for like you know dealing with like Tara Grant and stuff like that. But it was like after that, so many other things took like so a much other so stuff. many other the kids were so young, mm-hmm. like it really affected them. Yeah, and then honestly, like not even just like affected them now. A lot of times, like um, people don't know is when p- kids go through things when kids go through things at such a young age. It's easy for them to go through, like, to process different things because kids' minds are, like, all over the place. Like, they can be sad for a second. And then next thing you know, like, you can bring slime or something and their mind is, like, focused on that. But when they, but as they start like to get that, older, yeah, as they start to get older, that stuff starts to come back. Years. Yeah, it starts to come back because then they get these events where it's, like, father-daughter dances or something like that. Or, like, they get, our like, senior night when kids are giving out flowers to their parents mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, that stuff comes back, and it's like, that's something they're going to have to constantly deal with for the rest of their lives. Yes, she, yeah, she has her aunt, but, like, it's certain stuff that Lindsay would need or want her mother around Yeah, for. and it's not just, like, and, even and wants her dad around mm-hmm. for. Yeah, so it's just, and that's, I mean, it should be that way, but that's really sad. I really feel for the kids. Mm-hmm. So, that wraps up this week's case and we have our shout our shout out to a podcast that we started listening to last week honestly i love like uh it's so hard to like pick like one podcast to like and then keep up (laughs) with the list so we can still do one at a time Mm -hmm, because it's somewhere I'm like in a mist of like on Instagram and I'll see them and I'm like, oh, it's so good. Like I read like someone made a post about like um, I can't remember his Wesley Dodd. And I was like, I want to listen to this whole season on this because it's so it looked like it was really good. But mm-hmm. I was like, I'm already dedicated to like two, three right now for the week. So I'm like, I'm, I'm over my, my max. Point. I'm like, I'm over my max. On top of true crime, I got to listen to all the other podcasts that I listen to. Yeah, because we got to still go to we still got like stuff to do. <laughs> right. So this week's shout out is for Strange Little Worlds. They're a bi-weekly true crime podcast. You can follow them on Instagram at SLW Podcast. Cool. If you want to. <laughs> like, I don't know. You know, you can't ask me if I want to do those 3,000 questions because it's not like I'm a big fan of the questions. <laughs> So I'm most likely going to always be like, no, but the right thing to do is be like, yeah, so we can do it. Did you pick one already? Nope. Okay. I just picked one. 
<laughs> Question 2,964. Oh, so grand. <laughs> what do you pig out on? What do I pig out on? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, gosh. You know what? I'm a really big fan of fries. I pig out on fries. I love fries, like any that's kind true. of fries. No matter what. No matter where we go. I always get fries. get pasta and a side of fries. <laughs> I always get fries. I love fries. That, and junk food-wise, Snickers. Like, if you give me the mini Snickers, oh, I can go to town. Yeah, like honestly. It's been times Snickers where I'm like, Pepsi and I'm, straight. I'm like constantly, like, I can, I've got a system going where I can open a Snickers with, like, one hand and, like, <laughs> pop it in the mouth and still be able to text on the other hand. So that's how you know that's it's sad. legit. No, it's not sad. It's a skill that you need in life. <laughs> So besides like fries, it's it's tough. It's between fried chicken wings <laughs> and bacon. Those are really good. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's good food, but it's like that's a lot of grease, Leah, to pig out on something like that. I mean, I got an air fryer now, so I oh, put the chicken in it once, like- but I pre- yeah, it's really good. Oh, but I, I still. <laughs> my grandma fries chicken every Wednesday. So I still go to my grandma's house every Wednesday, even if I work late. Mm. I'm stopping by and I'm getting a handful of chicken. So I'm sick that you're just not telling me about your grandma frying chicken every Wednesday and we meet. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna... Shelby, the chicken is gone by Thursday. <laughs> you can't if just I like. See you on Thursday. You can't just like. Gone. Put one in your pocket. <laughs> Later. Yeah. <laughs> the chicken be gone before I even get home from work on Wednesdays. My grandma, when she cooked dinner for us, she'll put she'll put me and my mom up, ours up in the oven so nobody can get to it because she knows it's gonna go fast no matter what she cooks. So she always set ours to the side. Yeah, just tell her to set like an extra drum to the side or something. It's not that hard. <laughs> but yeah, that was actually that was a really good. I'm glad that you did this case though because it was actually a good one and. I wanted to know a lot more about it. So, you know, I feel bad because after I did it, I went back on our list to check it off and I saw it on yours. Yeah, it's actually I realize, my case. <laughs> I didn't realize you were going to do it well, eventually. Well, I mean, hey, it's cool, you know. I didn't realize it till literally this morning. No hard feelings. <laughs> That's why we have a list. <laughs> that I didn't bother to look at. That's cool. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Crime in the Mid. You can find the transcript, pictures we've discussed, and the links to all of our references on our website at www.crimeinthemidden.com. There you can also find the links to our social media. If you have a case you'd like us to discuss, go to the go to the contact us page of the website and leave a suggestion. Each month we'll choose one of one suggestion for an episode. <laughs>